in our own Washington community, uh, the list of Black, Indigenous, and people of color harmed by police violence grows every year after the highly publicized murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Manny Ellis. I think there's finally a call from the majority to address police accountability and reform. The House will come to order if members can take their seats. This budget is a huge job maker and the number one solution to economic insecurity is a job. Hungry children can't learn and it's our responsibility to try to help. Equality and opportunity. I believe most people are here because they want to do some good. The person you heard speaking at the top of the podcast is Representative Jesse Johnson. Jesse is from Federal Way, a Democrat, the vice chair of the House Public Safety Committee, and a driving force behind some of the most timely and important legislation being considered this session in virtual Olympia. We'll hear the full interview in just a minute. First, welcome to Capital Ideas. This is the podcast where members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. We're not really at the Capitol this year, but you knew that. We kept a social distance of about 50 miles and talked via Zoom. Representative Johnson was appointed at the beginning of the 2020 session by the King and Pierce County Councils to fill an empty seat in the House and was elected in his own right last November. If you want to know more about him, I invite you to go back and listen to his first Capital Ideas appearance, which was released on February 6th of last year. He assumed a major leadership role in just his second year in the legislature, and that's what we talked about this time around. Here's that conversation recorded on Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Welcome back to Capital Ideas, Representative Jesse Johnson. I'm, I'm glad that you're here today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Jesse, this has been a session unlike any other for a lot of reasons. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and certainly that has changed everything. But it's also a session in which the legislature, Democrats at least, have been focused like a laser on systemic racism, the inequalities built into our institutions, and undoing these things that have been in place since, well, for centuries. And you've been at the center of these efforts. You know, I think this is an issue that communities of color have sounded the alarm for decades around when it relates to police violence. And we have witnessed in the past year just unprecedented uh, coverage, obviously, after the highly publicized murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and locally with Manny Ellis. And uh, I think there's finally a call from the majority to address uh, police accountability and reform. In our own Washington community, uh, the list of Black, Indigenous, and people of color harmed by police violence grows every year. And I think we had to really use that momentum to put together a team of legislators to work on these issues. And I believe we've done that and have led with an equity lens, making sure that communities and families impacted by police violence are at the center of the work that we're doing. Everyone deserves to be safe and protected and know that police officers are there to serve them. And so that's where our work is focused, making sure that every life is valued. And that's where we came up with our priority bills from community directly. Uh, and those priority bills are obviously House Bill 1054 on police tactics, House Bill 1310 on use of force, which is kind of the cornerstone of our police package. 
and also House Bill 1267 on independent investigations and Senate Bill 5051 on decertification. Um, those were the bills that were the priority bills that we needed to get through this year. Um, there's obviously a host of other bills, uh, data collection, impeachment disclosures, uh, civic cause of action, community oversight boards, but um, those four were the priority bills. I'm happy to say that through the House of Origin cutoff, we've got those four bills through to each, each side of the chamber. So um, I think we'll continue to, to work on those and see how they turn out before going to the floor. Tell me about the process of putting these bills together. I know that you didn't just lock yourself in a room and write them. So, I, I, but I think that a lot of people might not understand that. So-and-so sponsored a bill, therefore uh, they must have written that bill. Talk to me about how these bills have come about because I know it was a real process. It was and completely different than in the past. Typically for legislators, we will write a bill in partnership with an organization, maybe uh, a lobbying group, um, an agency or department. Um, and these bills were um, directly from community. And so they were not agency led, um, they were not um, you know, department led, but directly from community. And so um, I was approached back in July, once we formed our police leadership team about sponsoring both the police tactics bill and the use of force bill. And um, community kind of already had a framework for what they wanted. So I worked directly with the Washington Coalition on Police Accountability, which is made up of about 30 members of families that have been impacted by police violence. Um, also the citizen sponsor of I-940 is on that group and other civil rights advocates, legal experts. And they came to me with a framework of what they wanted to see which was a ban of certain tactics that we believe have produced negative outcomes for communities of color and a new statewide standard. It was very rough <laughs> at first, um, it was a rough draft. And um, I then took that framework and decided to be the prime sponsor. And so once you just make that decision to be the prime sponsor of something, you work directly with the staff on crafting the bill, you know, looking through it with a fine tooth comb and making sure that it represented exactly what we wanted, both in context and the content of the bill itself. And uh, you know, it was it was a process of six, seven months. And to be honest, the bill is still being crafted as we speak now on the Senate side. Make sure it's the best, most enhanced bill once it gets to the Senate floor. Let's kind of break these bills down so that people will know what we're talking about. Absolutely. So uh, House Bill 1054 and police tactics. Uh, this bill fixes two problems. It sets a baseline standard for acceptable police tactics and equipment that can and should be used. And then it bans uh, or at least restricts certain harmful tactics. So in the bill, we're banning uh, chokeholds and neck restraints. We're banning no-knock warrants, um, which have been rooted in racism for a long time. Uh, we are restricting the use of tear gas, uh, which we saw on full display last summer with the protest in Seattle. We also are restricting vehicular pursuits and making sure that an officer will not engage in a vehicular pursuit without supervisor notification and approval and not for minor offenses. Um, we're also restricting shooting at moving vehicles, which can have a negative impact for innocent bystanders. And we are restricting uh, military equipment. So the military equipment piece was a very 
long list, obviously, and we're saying this is the equipment you can use. These are the equipment that you should not use because they are symbols of war that we believe are not for our neighborhoods. Just the mere presence of an armed vehicle, for example, moving through a neighborhood, it changes the level of tension and trust, and it also is a detriment to solving problems and can escalate a situation. So we're banning armed vehicles, armed helicopters, uh, drones, um, uh, MRAPs, um, LRADs, all these military equipment that uh, we're banning it because it further fuels this warrior-like mentality versus a guardian of the community. And then the last piece is we're mandating that officers have to show their badges at all times, their badge numbers and names, because we want community to be able to identify our officers by their number or name um, when they're in community. So um, we are making sure that tactics are acceptable that are used in our community. And then use of force, which was my other bill, House Bill 1310, uh, this bill, uh, really I'll start from the beginning, our current state law says literally that an officer can make an arrest by any means necessary when they believe probable cause exists. So we know that's a broad authorization of power uh, to use an unlimited amount of force. We need to make it absolutely clear that officers should de-escalate and that less lethal alternatives should be exhausted first. So um, this bill, House Bill 1310, will implement a stronger use of force standard for our entire state, for every jurisdiction, no matter where you're at that will strengthen the intent of I-940 by saying that officers have to use minimal force or less lethal alternatives first. And especially when taking into consideration a certain a totality of the circumstances. So like a person with a disability uh, or experiencing a mental health crisis or pregnancy or the presence of children, they have to take that in consideration before using any force. Uh, secondly, it also says that deadly force is narrowed to just an imminent threat of serious physical injury or death to the officer, uh, to the public, or to the suspect themselves. And so having that clear standard, I believe, will reduce the instances we're seeing of police violence with uh, police and community members, and hopefully start to rebuild trust in the police with the communities that they serve. Let me just assume that there are law enforcement professionals who are listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. or there are family members of law enforcement professionals, what are they thinking right now about these bills? Are they saying these are going to make my job much more difficult? Or are they saying this may finally ease the tension and make my job easier? I think it's mixed. And I'll, I'll start by saying we did not take these bills lightly. We really worked with both families, with a community, but also with law enforcement. And the final bills that have moved to the Senate look completely different than the original bills with a lot of police um, uh, expertise and insight. Um, I, I would say that one piece I think that officers and their families would be thinking about is where does the liability for when force is used or when something could go wrong because we're all human, things happen. Where is the liability? And so in the civil context, there's only liability where there's excessive force in our use of force bill. Excessive force obviously will have to be determined by the courts, but that's based on the standard that we've set in this bill. Again, taking into consideration the totality of the circumstances, the context. 
we will not hold officers civilly liable unless there's excessive force. And the second part is criminal liability, which has not changed at all. So the criminal liability aspect was removed from the use of force bill. So officers will not be criminally charged again, unless there's reason to believe in the evidence that the officer literally um, excessively or intentionally killed someone. And so we're, we're, we're providing provisions and protections for officers in there, but we're also setting up a, a standard, a North Star for our officers to do their duty as, as law enforcement. And that's with the input of community, with families and with law enforcement themselves. And I really believe that this gets us a little bit closer to making it more safe for everyone and making it better for officers to do their jobs as well. Let me ask you about a bill that is in this family, but you didn't prime sponsor this bill yourself. And that's House Bill 1267, dealing with independent investigations of police incidents. Yeah, so this was a bill sponsored by Rep. Intamin, and it's a critical bill. It also is a governor request bill. So the governor put together a task force of families to talk literally just about independent investigations and what that independent board should look like. And what this bill does is it establishes the Office of Independent Investigations where independently a board will be the deciding factor on how to investigate an officer that uses deadly force. Um, the bill will also ensure that charging decisions are made by an independent prosecutor and not by district attorneys like we currently have in place because district attorneys a lot of times are directly connected with our local police forces. So we wanna put it independently in the hands of someone else. And the goal really is true impartiality and independence of these investigations by being far enough removed from the law enforcement community itself. It's an important bill because we have seen when officers investigate officers, a lot of times the result can be swayed. And so we wanna make sure it's an independent board that investigates any use of deadly force across our state. And on the decertification bill, I assume that law enforcement professionals in this state need to be certified before they can serve in those positions. If I am a police officer, uh, I'm decertified, can I go to another community in Washington and just get hired right there? Or is that something that like your permanent record in school is going to follow you everywhere you go? Yeah, so once you're decertified in our state, it's not just from your local department, but it's for the entire state. Now, if an officer went to another state, that's a different story, but it will follow them in this state. And it also will say that officers cannot be an officer on the ground enforcing laws. So maybe they get a behind the desk administrative job or something, but they cannot be a patrol officer on the ground enforcing laws in our state if they are decertified. I think as we're recording this, there's about 39 or maybe only 38 days left in this session. There's not a lot of time, obviously, to get things done. Do you feel confident about these bills? And what do you see as sort of the game plan for the next couple of weeks to, to get these to the governor's desk? I do feel confident about the bills. Um, I'm working directly with the Senate uh, Law and Justice Committee Chair and Vice Chair, Senator Peterson and Dingra. And so all three of the bills are actually going to be in the Law and Justice Executive Committee today, uh, Thursday the 18th, for um, decisions. And then like the House, the bills pass out of the committee, then they go to the, the uh, Senate Ways and Means Committee, and they'll have to consider the bills again. 
So we'll have to keep the momentum going. And then after the Senate Ways and Means, hopefully they go to the Senate floor for consideration. And so I think, you know, these bills are going to be continue to be contested on both sides because we want to, on one side, we want to keep the bills intact and wa not water down the bills. But on the other side, you know, bills have to have the amendment process and amendment, amendment considerations. So if the bill is amended, then that will have to be uh, considered by our Senate colleagues and, and we are kind of, it's kind of out of our hands. So just staying in close communication with them. And if there's disagreement, then the, the bill would go to what's called concurrence or a conference committee where um, the, the House and Senate chairs and vice chairs would get together in leadership and talk about which, which decisions were made on both sides that will leave in the bill before it goes to the governor's desk. But I feel confident that the bills will stay intact and we'll see some great bills going to the governor's desk. I wish you the best of luck. I wish us the best of luck. Representative Jesse Johnson, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk about these important bills with us on Capital Ideas. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Dan. And that's Capital Ideas for today. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed already, I encourage you to do so at Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is your state government, and what goes on here matters. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you, for your family, your business, your community, and for everyone. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, putting people first since 1889. Thanks for listening.